There we go. Good morning, everybody. Hola. How are things? Things are good in Arizona. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but we have beautiful weather. <laughs> You're a big jerk. Oh, good morning, gang. Hopefully everybody's gotten a little dance going on. A little trumpets to launch us into the middle of the week. Oh, hey, Stephanie, I miss you too. <laughs> I love seeing uh, people pop in that I haven't gotten to see in forever. Although I haven't gotten really to see anybody in forever. Yeah, right? it, uh, it's the it's almost the one year anniversary of not seeing anybody in forever. Uh, it's so as weird we, as we suffer all through this. Yeah, for sure. Hey, gang, we have um, Sarah Mercia with us here today, um, and we're going to talk. There's been so many cool email puns going on. Um, bad jokes rather than dad jokes let's call them in the chat so far sarah before we jump into the topic du jour though um for the folks who haven't met you before give us a little brief intro to yourself a little bio Ooh, i always have fun with this because um i like to think of myself as a collector of hobbies and so i could introduce myself so many different ways um it would be really fun but for today, um, I'll start with the professional side of things. I'm the CEO of Learning Ninjas, and we are an instructional design consultancy. Uh, we get to work up with a lot of different folks, and some of those folks are nonprofits. So one of the things that I really love about presenting and talking and sharing with my fellow colleagues is that I can tell people a lot of stuff that we do. It's not like, oh, I'm under NDA. I don't mm -hmm. have to do that. Um, I, I get to share my projects, so that's exciting. Um, I also am currently on my kids' spring break, which <laughs> because of COVID times means we're camping, um, which I actually love camping, um, but that's why I'm in the car. <laughs> For those of you who have mentioned that, um, I'm not driving. I'm just sitting in front of a coffee shop that I can't go into because it's too crowded. Um, and I wouldn't be able to take my mask off and you guys would just see me with the thing. So um, I... Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm excited to be here and talk about something a little bit different. I've mm -hmm. been yeah. doing this my entire career. So I have like 20 years of doing all different sorts of things in our, you know, in instructional design and figuring out creative solutions to things. And I've been everything from a team of one to having big teams and small teams. And I've worked in for-profit and nonprofit organizations. And, you know, as you, as you move through this career, we're kind of like these we, these nets of information, right? So we get to pick up all these cool little things along the way. And I'm excited to share one of those today with you guys. And it's something that I think is really overlooked and that's email courses. Mm -hmm. and it, I mean, we were all inundated with, uh, with all kinds of emails. Mm -hmm. um, I hate to, email. Yeah, I mean, to the point <laughs> where most of us, say. yeah, where, 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 gee, email elicits often usually a, a negative reaction. That said, not mm -hmm. as negative as perhaps meetings that aren't necessary, um, mm -hmm. you know, in that regard. And, and who even really wants to talk on the phone anymore? uh in in this day and age but um let's maybe talk about the first time that you you started thinking about or using email for a specific project what kind of things what kind of problems were you looking to solve with that the first time you used this instead of that, you know, a formal course yeah. in the lms 
That's a great question. So actually the first time that I, um, that I was um, introduced to anything like this, because I do hate email. Like, I think you guys can agree with me. If you've ever gone in your e inbox and you've seen like a bazillion emails you have to go through, it's, um, it's not, it's not a tool that I would typically choose for delivering more information to people. Right. Um, but I've also been in a lot of trainings and meetings and things where I'm like, I really would benefit a lot more from not having this dumped to me, you know, in this space where I can't see anything and I can't research it and look things up and like kind of dive a little bit deeper. Um, and also, I don't like getting pulled into classrooms, I, and I should because I'm a teacher, right? <laughs> I don't like getting pulled into classrooms unless there's a really good reason for it. And I think as instructional designers, we learn a lot throughout our career about what we like and what we don't like as learners. And it's very easy for us not to think about that when we design something for somebody else. So when I found out about email courses was actually as a learner, not as a, yeah. an instructional designer. So I was, um, a friend of mine had told me about this course on minimalism. And he was like, there's this really cool course <laughs> on, I don't know if you guys have heard, everybody's heard about minimalism at this point. Um, but you, uh, you have this course with, where you can go learn more about how to start to introduce these little minimalist practices. Now this has been, seven or eight years ago now. So this is before it became popular and there were Netflix shows on and all that stuff. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was like, well, that's really cool. I'm going to check it out. And he was like, well, it's an email course. And I was like, well, that sounds terrible. And he said, well, just look at it and see what you think. So I go out there, there's a web page. It says, hey, sign up for our, um, our 10, I think it was like a 10 day email course or maybe it's 30 days, I can't remember now. And uh, you'll get an email each day that tell, tells you a little bit about minimalism. There'll be some activities, that kind of thing. And by the end of it, you will have learned all the basics you need to know about minimalism. And I was like, okay, whatever. And they were like, you can sign up and you can pay whatever you want. And I was like, well, that's pretty sweet. I don't even have to like, you know, pick a certain thing or you could get it for free. And I was like, okay. So I think I gave them like 10 bucks or whatever for it. I was like, okay, send me, send me emails for $10. So I signed up for this email course and, um, and so each morning around, I think it was like eight or nine o'clock, I would get an email and it would have a little bit of information at the top. And then there would be a couple of articles, there would be an activity. And I could just kind of do it while I was sitting around drinking my coffee in the mornings before I got started with work, right? And I was like, that's pretty cool. So what I found was after the first few days, I was, I was thinking, man, I really wish that you guys would send this to me earlier because I actually get up a little bit earlier than mm -hmm. this. So I sent them, yes, Paul, I paid somebody else to email me. I said, <laughs> could you send it to me a little bit earlier, right? And they were really great. And they were like, sure, we can adjust your timing. And so we'll send it to you at 730 or whatever it was. And I was like, this is wonderful. I have my little, my little email course. And I'm out there. Um, there were a couple of days where I missed it. But the way that the uh, the course, like the title of it and everything, the way everything was set up, I could just, it had it all going into one email folder in my inbox. Mm -hmm. And I could just go out and they were titled really well. And I could say, okay, I missed this one. But none of them took more than like 10 minutes to do. So it was really a very easily, a very easy and accessible way to learn about this stuff. And most days I would go out and I would, click on all the links and like learn more stuff about it. And it was just something that was really a, an interesting format. So that's how I learned about it. 
and it's a marketing approach, right? There was, mm -hmm. I'm sure that I think at the end they were like, now buy this, whatever millions of dollars of stuff that'll make you a minimalist. And I'm like, okay, I don't need that. <laughs> um, but it was, um, the puns you guys in this <laughs> chat are ridiculous. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yes. So I ended up, uh, really enjoying it. And I was like, you know, there's a really good use for this for people who, um, you want to space out learning over time, right? And kind of drip some things out is great for like reinforcement for performance support. I was so instructional designer, Sarah starts thinking there's a lot of really cool stuff we could do with this, right? Like I could totally use this at work right now for a project. So I stole it. Um, and I actually looked at what they did. So then I went out and I signed up for, uh, then I started actively looking and I don't recommend anybody does this. I started actively looking for email courses on things. So there are email courses on how to quit drinking in 30 days and like how to, um, how to start working on uh, your painting skills and like all these different like little email courses. They're all marketing techniques. So that's why I don't recommend you guys go sign up for a bunch of email lists. But I started researching what were other people doing and I uh, found lots of different examples and I pulled all of them together and I picked the things that I liked the best and started to create this, this template basically for how could I set up an email course. And um, so I had a use case for it at work. Now at the time, this has been a while back. So at the time I was the director of the informatics academy at the task force for global health. And the project that we had was to teach public health leaders across the US how to implement informatics and support informatics capacity in their health departments. Now, I know that probably sounds super jargony for anybody who's not familiar with public health, but basically it's helping people in public health learn more about how to implement technology appropriately and to collect data and that kind of thing. Um, think about what we're going through right now with COVID, really important stuff around epidemiology and that kind of thing. So I thought, how am I going to put together a course for informatics leaders? I don't like, this could be anybody, right? Across the US, lots of different, you know, 50 different states, different health departments, different technology. The, the requirements were very, very, just all over the place. And I thought, let's let's use the email course thing and see if they like it, right? I was like, let's see it. Let me just try it. It's not going to hurt. And so I had my team work with me um, and I had the benefit of having a team at the time. So we worked on this collaboratively, which was really cool, by the way, because it gave us a great first use case, right, for doing this. Um, so we put together these templates and we said, okay, we're going to we're going to set up this email course and instead of sending them an email each day, we're going to send them one each week. And by the end of the course, the goal was that they should be able to build a business case for informatics projects. Um, so think of building a business case for like a new piece of tracking software in your health department, right? That kind of thing. And so each week they would get a little bit of information about a piece of that business case. Um, what are the different things that might go into it? Here are some examples of what this part looks like. And so they got that each week over a period, I believe it was either six or eight weeks. And then at the end, they, we sent them a PDF of the entire thing. 
So this is like all, if you missed all the emails or whatever, here's a PDF. So here's the whole thing. Um, although they could have just saved all the emails, the same stuff. Um, but here's a PDF of the whole thing, additional templates, here's some more resources. And then here are some other courses you might be interested in now that you've completed this process. And people loved it. Now, there are things that people uh, gave us feedback about that were really helpful as far as formatting, making sure that you have a really simple, clean design. Like don't put a bunch of stuff in there, a bunch of pictures. Mm. Uh, you have to be very good at writing succinctly because if you just write a whole bunch of stuff, it's a wall of text and people don't want to read it. So you really have to get to the point, which means from an instructional design perspective, we're looking at how do we break these up into meaningful pieces. Um, so think of like micro learning. I hate these buzzwords, but think of like micro learning yeah. concepts where we're breaking things down into a piece of information that you could actually learn on its own. Right. Or it can be used as, a, a, you know, learning a, a larger topic. And so it was really helpful. Now, uh, yes, they were able to create successful business cases because what they did, this is this was a requirement that they were having to fulfill, which is the reason why we were running this course. And so they were then able to take those business cases and write business cases. We had uh, Washington State was one. Um, I think uh, maybe it was Wisconsin was another that uh, that actually shared their business cases with us afterwards, uh, shared information that they had learned from it. We had analytics from all of, <laughs> right, Duncan. Um, we had analytics from all of the uh, the courses because it came through our email tools, right? And, and we can talk about that too. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were able to see like, click rates, open rates, what things were people finding use in, what were they not. Um, so we had a lot of information without even asking people anything, but we were able to see those business cases when people were done. And then we also got much more meaningful questions because after an email, somebody would reach out to us and say, I really didn't understand this part because you give us more information. Okay. So the other thing that makes this successful, the second time we ran it, so we ran another one for a different group of people. Um, they were informaticians and we set up a community where they could reach out to each other right. um, and ask questions. So you had like this running list of FAQs, people were sharing what they were doing, which gave us another level of exposure to what was going on behind the scenes. So each time we ran one of these, we would do a, another little thing, a little tweak to it and, you know, tailor it to our learners, that kind of thing. But that helped us see, we could see what people were learning just by the questions that they were asking, the things they were sharing with each other. Uh, we didn't really have to, there was not a need to like test people or mm -hmm. ask them some dumb multiple choice quiz because like <laughs> we could see what they were doing, right? It was much more useful and it gave them the ability to do this kind of like at their own pace. And we did take multiple approaches to the way that they could consume that information, right? So it gave them a lot of flexibility. Right. Um, I, I think part of it too, the success of it is that they were, you were actually having them creating something as part of this. They weren't simply yes. getting information thrown at them. You were, you know, basically you were stepping them and it sounds like the one week period is like, you know, just enough time to do this week's homework whenever it fits in for you exactly. You, you know, and that kind of approach right. sounds like that's probably part of the success of it too. Well, I just, let me ask all you guys this. I want you to think about this for a second. Why would we 
teach anybody anything <laughs> if they weren't going to do something with that information. And I, and I say that because it's like, yeah, of course, you know, of course we're going to do that. But mm -hmm. seriously, we do that all the time. We, we do these courses and stuff, but we don't, we don't give them meaningful activities to actually complete that are tying into their job. We ask them to take some kind of dumb assessment or something like, what does that mean to anybody? What does that number mean? If I make an 80 and you make a 95, that just means that you memorized something better than I did. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't tell me anything. So those are the types of things that, um, you know, whenever, sorry, you guys, I'm trying to plug this in. Um, but those are the types of things that we want to think about whenever we're putting these courses together is, yeah, of course I had to make something. We should all be having people make stuff when we're doing any kind of learning instead of asking them these these quizzes it, it harkens back to last week's idiotic mm. with dr merrill saying if you're going to do anything if you're going to build anything at all do the show right wasn't that his first one or no not the show do the uh the do focus on the do have them yeah. do something right well that's where we should start so you guys know kathy moore and yep. her action mapping process and i learned this way like the very beginning of uh well not the beginning of my career but per se but like um this is like 10 or 11 years ago and um it was back i guess when she first did i don't even know when she made that thing but i thought it was awesome and yeah. i was like and so everything that we do as instructional designers is to help people support a task even if i'm doing k through 12 even if i'm in higher ed like your goal is still to have kids be able to to do certain things right to learn in order to do part of the problem with the education system is that we teach a bunch of fundamental stuff but no application base right and so it's like it's it's too disjointed and so it's i really like kathy's process because it turns around and says okay what mm -hmm. do you want people to be able to do okay here's all the stuff you need to know in order to do that it gives you context for it. So sorry, I went on a tangent there. I have a tendency to do that. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, the, it's a tangent that we seem to get into almost every episode too, though, is that focus on actually applying things or producing change uh, as opposed to simply information dumping. It's a, it's a recurring theme, both here on Idiotic as well as in the industry as a whole. So it's, yeah, it's just something. It. Yeah, I mean, it's just something. So yeah, so that is a really good point, though, is one of the keys to an, a successful email course is to be building toward these activities in each one, mm -hmm. right? So you can have each activity build toward a large project, or each activity could be self contained. When I was learning about minimalism is like, okay, today, go take five things out of your closet. That was a thing that mm. I could do. And ever all of all of the principles around that day, it wasn't just like, Today, we're going to teach you how to take stuff out of your closet. It was like mentally, like the, the, the mental part about why we have five extra things in our closet. And then it motivated you to then go take the crap out of your closet. So thinking about this from an instructional design perspective, if we're teaching, uh, one of my favorite things to use this for is compliance. Y'all, compliance training should <laughs> be the most fun training that we do. It drives me insane when people are like compliance training so boring that means that you are not doing a very good job of explaining what happens when compliance goes wrong because that's all you have to do this is why we have compliance because if you don't do this thing you're gonna cut your arm off and it's gonna be gross or you know you're <laughs> gonna live the rest of your life with a nub like there are all of these things that are so like interesting about why we do compliance even if it's like turning in an expense report 
you know? Um, actually, Jane Bozarth uh, gave me this example a long time ago. Well, not me specifically. She was talking about it. But she was talking about this example a long time ago where she was on a flight. And at the end of the or before the flight took off, the, the, uh, the pilot said, you know, we're going to ask you guys to turn off your phones. He said, because if you don't, your battery's going to be dead by the time you land. And I was like, that's so much smarter than like, <laughs> just turn off your phones. It's like, yeah, I don't want my battery to die. I'm going to shut my phone off too. Right. Um, but it's like, look about like, what is the thing that, why should you be doing this? Why do you even care? Right. And there are so many things that we can do that. Now, Christopher says, yes, legal won't let me say that. Mm, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to be Switzerland here, but <laughs> I'm not saying you should go out and say idiot over here broke something. And that's the reason why we have to do this now. But I'm just saying that there are ways to do compliance in more meaningful ways, but let's just say, let's say that you can't do it in a fun way, whatever. Um, we're going to take this email approach, right? Um, because I guess I should be fair that there probably are some fields of compliance that are boring. Maybe, I don't know. But let's say that you have to do it that way. Well, what if instead of doing a one hour compliance course all at one time, you took an hour of content and sent them an email once a day or once a week, 52 weeks out of the year, mm -hmm. right? And then you've got your compliance. There's your hour of compliance. You've done an hour of compliance throughout the year. You've given them the information. You can track it. You can see if people opened and read it or not. I mean, you've got all your boxes are checked. Um, you can even have little articles and stuff to why this might be relevant. It saves people time. It's refresher training. Like there are ways that you can think through this that still checks your box. And, mm -hmm. and it makes it so much less painful on your learners, right? Instead of having to sit there and, and stare at it. Well, that was the one thing I was just going to bring up was uh, I think a lot of times the excuse to not do something innovative like an email course or, or something else is, well, how do I get that back, that data back into the LMS, right? Or how do mm -hmm. we, you know, how do we get that in there? And it's like. Uh, how we used stuff. to before we had everything else, just yeah. put it in there manually. If that's something you've got to do, you go and check the boxes off your report. Right, right, right. And I, I I, always have to bite my tongue before I say that when I'm in an office or something pitching to a bunch of people because I don't want to say, well, you're just lazy. <laughs> you just want it to be done for you. Well, you know, I, I do think that there are a lot of barriers. And I think just like right now, we've got, you know, everybody's got Zoom exhaustion and stuff because that's all we're doing right now. In the same way, we get tired of fighting for this stuff with people who don't care and it's very frustrating. So I totally get like, it's it's going to take me forever to fight this battle with legal. Or it's going to take me forever to do this thing. I totally get being in an organization where you're like, I don't really, they don't care. So why should I care? I just am doing my job and then I'm going to go home in the afternoon and I'm going to go do some, you know, pro bono or like volunteer stuff to do, to get my, um, you know, my how I learn in my own professional development. Um, Duncan makes a really good point about XAPI, and if you guys haven't learned about XAPI mm -hmm. yet, that's something that you should look into. Um, we, we actually have a site it's called learnxapi.com if you guys want to go check it out, it's free. Uh, it's just some basic information. Um, there are lots of them, though, obviously, like xapi.com and all those, but you can go learn more. Yeah, you um, can the track the airport. text messages and email messages using XAPI. There's a lot of things you can do with it if you have somebody on your team or if you're willing to pay somebody that can do kind of the tech backend stuff and, uh, you know, and put that kind of stuff in, right? Uh, yeah, there is. 
And I, but I also don't want to discourage people from thinking that you have to be all that technical to do XAPI because you don't. I mean, Sean and I, so Sean uh, Putman's on my team, and I mean, we've taught people how to do it at an ATD event over a day and a half, and they were all reporting statements to an LRS after a day and a half, coming into it knowing nothing about it. So, you know, if you go out and do a little bit of research and learn about it, it's really not super complicated. Now, when, to your point, I mean, if we start to get into you know, um, plugins to your LMS and connecting things, then yeah, it can get more complicated. Um, but it's not something stuff. you couldn't learn how to do. Yeah. It's like, um, um, oh shoot, where was I going to go with this? Oh, I, I, we've talked a lot about in the past and I guess we haven't talked about it on idiotic in a long time, but just how, what we can learn from marketing and the thing that I, that I learned, uh, working for software companies, um, after my instructional design stuff, uh, and everything was, oh my gosh, the stuff that marketing, the data that marketing people can actually see on like cookies in your browser. And, and when an email goes out exactly what time they clicked on this and where they went after that, if they mm -hmm. click, went to this website, they continue to track and they can see exactly where you went and what you did. I mean, they, they've got everything. And this was 10 years ago, 10 plus years mm -hmm. ago. And I remember just thinking to myself, here we are as an industry struggling to figure out how do we get more data? How do we get more data? And I'm like, uh, I know we uh, already have ways look. to do it. You've just got to step <laughs> out of your bubble of I'm going to take people in a classroom and hand them an agenda or I'm going to make this PowerPoint into a, an online whatever that is supposed to be. And if you can step out of that bubble for a second, then sure you can get data. Everybody can. Now here's the thing about XAPI versus like Google Analytics or something. So Stephanie's in the chat and Stephanie worked with me. We were both um, on the ATD Atlanta board together. And one of the things that, um, that we did in putting together the website is we pulled Google Analytics on everything. You can see everything about everybody. And so that's not new. The thing about XAPI is that it gives you a, a consistent format for it so that that information or that data is interoperable with different systems. That's what makes that so important yeah. is that, you know, right now we have lots of ways. You guys know in your organizations, you may have an email platform like MailChimp or Constant Contact or something like that. You would sign into that and you can see all kinds of data about those emails. You can sign into your LMS and you can see stuff that's specific to your LMS. You can sign into your CRM and see data in there. Like all of these different systems have data sets. The thing about XAPI is it gives us a consistent way to make those data interoperable so you can pull them all into one system and mesh that data together. Now, this is one thing that I think we don't learn enough about is data strategy and understanding how data works. Now, you guys probably did learn, especially if you were in college, you went to a statistics class, right? And you learned these talk, these things, and you probably quickly got them out of your head as soon as you did the test, so you don't have to think about them again, unless you're into that kind of stuff. Um, but that stuff is important. Like data being accurate and clean is very important. And so one of the reasons why XAPI is a, a specification for us to be able to use this, these data together is because if, if it's not collected in a consistent format, then the data gets all funky and then you can't 
you know, it's like Sarah equals oranges or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's well, a, probably a really bad example. <laughs> well, uh, oranges and apples. Paul's made a, a comment in the chat. One of our P VPs came in and said, training data and business data is like comparing apples and oranges. Enter X API, and we can now speak the language of the business. So That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a really good case study that was out um, by, I can't remember who it was from now, but... Um, there was a Duncan probably remembers, but there was a really good case study that came out about um, comparing, like pulling those business data together and the XAPI and the learning data to show uh, sales increases. But they did an A/B test. Mm. Um, so there's lots of XAPI examples of how that becomes more meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, Christopher's asking just to. You, you, the times that you've done this, um, were you using an email management tool like a like a Mailchimp or something like that for, yeah. for these? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you'll want to pick some kind of email platform. Every company has one. Well, like almost every company, even small companies, have some kind of email platform because you email customers, or you email your clients, or you email internally, or whatever. So you have to have some email platform that you can schedule sending out these emails in order for it to really get the benefits of it. Um, so you can schedule email campaigns so that it sends it out on a periodic basis and you can collect those data that come back out of it. Does it have to be that way? No, you can do it manually. I wouldn't recommend it, but I would just <laughs> pick whichever. We used MailChimp for the first two. We've used Constant Contact. There was another one that we used. Somebody probably will remember in chat. There's There are some, you know, three big email yeah, platforms. Sure. There's, there's actually new... Um new online course creation platforms that, that are specific or at least have the functionality of create an email course. I can't remember the name. I don't know if it's Kajabi mm -hmm. that does it or it's oh, Coursera. Oh, it is. No, it's Kajabi. You're Kajabi? right. Okay. Yes. Yes. So there are new platforms that are specifically for marketing courses. Yeah. Because um, there's one, you guys, I'm in a gardening club now. <laughs> It's a pandemic times. It's hard times. Um, but I, I joined this gardening club because I live in Houston now and I don't know when to grow stuff because it's like the weather here is crazy. Um, it's you grow stuff through the winter here because it's the only time that everything doesn't die. But um, but I, I joined this thing, but they, they use Kajabi and it sends out the little stuff and you can monetize it and all that. So, yeah, um, I don't know if Outlook, I don't know if you can schedule stuff. I haven't done it in Outlook. Um you might be able to schedule campaigns. Somebody might be able to speak to that. I haven't done it that way. I think, yeah. I think if you use their uh, power automate, their new power mm -hmm. automate feature okay. thing, I think you, you could very easily craft an email course using office 365 or office.com, whatever they call it now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I only well, know that because I've recently been obsessing on how do I automate some stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in right. Office. Um, so were there any things that um, that you bumped into along the way that said, mm, whoa, that wasn't that wasn't a very good use of this uh, approach? Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you put too much information in an email, if you try to combine too much, like if you don't have topics that really can be tied back to one very specific performance objective that can be um, taught and communicated in a very short period of time. Um, then it probably is not going to be be successful because I need to be able to sit down and do this like in 10 or 15 minutes, maybe 30. 
um, just set expectations when you send the emails out, like you need to have this much time to sit down and do this. But the thing that I that I learned to help with that is if you really do have a topic that probably eases more towards like the 30, 40 minutes to have specific things within that email that only take five or 10 minutes. Right. right. So I can at least open it up and like read the article or I can at least open it up and like complete this link or watch this video. Um, if I could do that, then that's that's useful. Don't embed anything in your email because stuff will get sent to junk. Yeah. So make sure that you don't embed videos in it and images. Um, you know, you could do an image. I don't even think you need images. Most images that people put in stuff, they don't even know why it's in there. They, I think they just feel uncomfortable with white space. Um, <laughs> but if you're going to have an image, like make sure that it's useful. Uh, Paul asked, how long can you hold people's attention? Um, that's up to the person and how interested they are in your content. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no formula. If somebody tells you uh, people can only pay attention for five minutes, I'm like that's all garbage. You guys know that by now. Yep. Um, that's not true. So, I mean, I can sit down and watch, you know, my kid just finished watching Lord of the Rings. He watched all three of them in the same day. And it's like, that's all he did is just sit and watch that all day. So we can hold people's attention for as long as they still care about being there and can yeah. pay attention to it. But that's the things that we can do is control the drip. And we can control the structure so you can make it in such a way that people can visually quickly say, okay, this will take me a few minutes. I can knock this out. I can, this will take me a few minutes. I can knock this out and then put it structuring it in such a way that I can get back to it and know where I was right. And pick up where I left off in some kind of meaningful way. <laughs> and yes, that Paul, they could go on. You could have this go on for a whole year. I would have loved for that minimalist course to just keep going. I mean, no, they, I, I would have just kept watching pay. it for as long. Yeah, well, I know. I mean, as long <laughs> as they only didn't ask me for more than $10. But I mean, I would have just kept watching it, seriously, because I, I was super into it. And then I'd set, uh, what is it, like 24 days takes is how long it takes to set a behavior or something. Like, oh, then I'd yeah. gotten to the point where I was drinking my coffee every morning. I'm like, well, what am I going to learn now <laughs> in my little time I have? <laughs> so I think you could do it for a long time. But, you know. It's kind of part of the, the part of the design approach probably has to include figuring that people are going to some people are going to see this on their phone. Some people are going to see it, you know, on another device. Some people might actually see it on their laptop. So I'm, I'm guessing that's part of the both the pros and the cons of this kind of a process. People having their coffee with the with the phone in the other mm -hmm. hand can can do things. Um, right. So that's uh, but it's probably got to be something you're, you're thinking about as you're as you're putting the content together is that not everybody's going to be on a wide, you know, laptop mm -hmm. screen necessarily when they do the emails that's yeah. for sure and then um there's a really jill has a really great question here about like do we just ignore everybody that would rather have a course and the answer to that is definitely no so if people wanted to um have other options to learn this information we had webinars the the thing mm -hmm. is nothing that we do or, or very few things that we do should just have one facet Right. You should give people options no. and flexibility to access things and not because they have different learning styles, you guys, because that's not true either. Um, but there are preferences. Yeah. And I may like based on my work environment, and the fact that I'm camping this weekend, I may prefer to read your email or I may prefer to download this PDF or whatever, just because this is what I have access to. So just, you know, we, we have, we definitely have to think through those things. It's mm -hmm. con content consumption preferences versus learning styles or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Topic wise, any, anything that you can think of that 
that this probably isn't appropriate for? Um, I think it's not appropriate for something where you're going to be teaching soft skills, where you have a lot of, um, if the answers aren't straightforward, like if I'm teaching a, a sales class um, and I want to be able to practice or let people ask a lot of questions, if I'm rolling out a new platform that's completely brand new to everybody mm -hmm. and they've never seen it before, I might want to bring them in the classroom some because people are going to have questions um, that I want to answer directly. Um, you know, having that forum is a good place for that, but it's not necessarily going to be good for people who aren't um, comfortable asking questions. Uh, you know, if your company just got bought out and you're merging with another company, that's probably not going to be a good place for an email course, right? Um, so some of those more sensitive issues. It works better for things like oh, the best. So we did for Kempton Hotels, we did a new hire onboarding course. And so they said, we want to onboard all of our people, but what are the things you, basically, when you first come to a new job, the only thing you have is email and nobody's emailing you yet because you don't have anything to do yet. And so it's a really great way to say, okay, every day you're going to get an email and it's going to direct you, go talk to this person, connect with this person, click this link and set up a time with this person to talk to them. And you could have this whole onboarding process just through email. And you don't have to worry about, do they have access to the LMS? Do they have access to this and single sign and all this stuff. It's like, if you can just get them email and you can get them into other platforms, that could go really, it could be really well. And it actually does, it can go well with initial learning in this case. When you're teaching somebody something completely brand new, it mm -hmm. can it can be good for that. Um, you know, it just kind of depends on your audience. Where are they when they're doing the work? What do they have access to? Um, and then some of it's just trial and error. You're going to just try it and you'll see these things worked really well and these things didn't. Or I'm never going to do that again for this group, but I think it might be better for this group. You, you have to test it out too for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but that's where the tracking is very important. Having some kind of platform where you can monitor those things is really useful. Um, but keeping that, that point of contact, that just one very specific learning point for each email is very important. Um, too much content too fast. So yeah. I'm giving them an email every day, but this content may take a day or two before they can come back to it. Um, knowing your audience, where they work. Uh, oh, inconsistent email timing. If you're going to send an email course, it needs to be at the same time every day. Right. Because I need to know when I'm expecting it, even if I'm not going to necessarily access it at that time. Mm -hmm. Oh, accessibility features like color and formatting and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Make cho choose very simple web fonts. Uh, black and white is just as good as anything else. The, uh, we had participants did not react well to a lot of color. Hmm. So did you have to figure out a way to, um, I don't know if manipulate's not the right word, but influence people to accept this as a... Um, as a, as a viable way for them to learn no. something or, or consume content? Or did you have to like do those marketing tricks of here's how you write a great email headline? You know, that I did have to have work with my team on that. And they actually came up with a lot of good ideas that they shared back up to, oh. to me and to the rest of the team. Right. So everybody came up with ideas and did their own research, which gave us a much better product. Um, but did I have to sell people on email? No, we're all getting emails every day <laughs> from all kinds of things. So I didn't have to I was, sell anybody thinking, on anything. I was, yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of because we get so many emails all the time, would you, you know, if, was there any pushback from people being like, geez, another email? 
<laughs> well, yeah. Eric, Erica has a related question. Um, you know, uh, any any lesson learned in terms of subject lines, even which seems like such a simple thing. But... Yes, you need to test them in your own like email. Send a test to your own team and check it out on some different browsers and different mail clients and see how much of your subject line shows up and be very thoughtful about what you name your emails. So we used a format where it's like, you need to number them. So it would say something like um, email one, right? And then the title of it, email two. So that way, if I'm looking at it, I'm like, which one right. am I on now? Like 12 or whatever. Um, you could do it. Um, we did it by day. So we said day one, day two, day three, day four, and so forth. Because if you put it as like dates, then it'll be off. Mm -hmm. um, we also put very specific titles on the emails. Um, and you just, you have to really practice not being too wordy. That's the most complicated part of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's really it. Yep. Other less similar though, similar lesson that everybody doing email marketing in general needs to learn too. <laughs> yeah, it small, well, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I always tell people you can learn a lot from marketing. You can also learn what not to do from marketing and what doesn't work. Right. Mm -hmm. And just applying your own experience, but this is definitely a testing thing, but so is everything else we do. Yeah. Right. I think it's easy to say, well, let's we'll just do the email course or the, I'm sorry, the e-learning because that's the catch all, but how many of you guys just click through it and don't even mm -hmm. look at it? And just yeah. let me get to the test and check it off. Right. And being able to schedule it and, and send it, et cetera, also lends itself very well to uh, being able to take advantage of spaced learning and repetition to, for reinforcement over time, too. Not just simply 10 things in, in a row and, and you're done. We could uh, you know, reinforce safety all year round. Uh, for That's example. right. Yep. It is space learning is the, the big piece that I think we got out of this more than anything else is how it's a very easy way to kind of drip things out to people over time. Um, mm -hmm. Very cool. So it's using what you've already got, right? Yep. Nothing yep, fancy. Yep, yep. You don't need a fancy micro learning system. <laughs> Send them an email text or email. I did see some text message stuff in here too. That's another concept that you can learn from. It's very similar yep. to sending SMS courses. Yeah, for sure. And, and Duncan uh, and, the, and the team over uh, at Risk have done a, a couple of neat things with text messages and XAPI, looping those together. We should have Duncan back to talk about that again. Yeah. So I think I we talked about it. That. We talked with Duncan when they were getting that started, but it'd be awesome to find some uh, to talk further more about further about that again. Brent's got the music mm -hmm. rolling, so it sounds like wait for the dad joke. It's time to press send on this week's episode. <laughs> I've I've been sitting on that one since like the first moment of our of our of our episode today. Holding that one. Well, now there. you guys all know that this totally could have been an email course. Yeah, we could have. We could have done that. And you would have gotten all the visuals, all the things I described. You would have seen screenshots, examples of them, right? Yep, yep, yep. That's well, awesome. uh, if anybody didn't catch this, we'll, they'll they'll get an email with the the replay button. So it's kind of like what we're doing here. Exactly. So. And hey, Sarah, don't forget to drop in. Well, I don't know if you can where you're at on the mobile, but uh, everybody can hit up learningninjas.com or hit up Sarah on LinkedIn or Twitter, right? All those places. Mm -hmm. You can find me everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to learningninjas.com. You can get to us from there pretty easily. Or it's Sarah at learningninjas.com. Sarah awesome. with an H. Fantastic. <laughs> Awesome, Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been a really cool conversation. Um, we've we've kind of danced around it in other episodes. You know, this idea of a of a, an alternative delivery mechanism. Um, gang, awesome, fun time in the chat as usual. Those those bad jokes have been a lot of fun to to watch roll by. A nice little bit of levity for a, for the middle of the day. We've so, got a uh, great community. 
for we sure. We do indeed. Yep. Yeah. Um, gang, let's dance on out of here, and let's we'll see it. you guys again next week. All righty, let's turn this thing up. Thanks again, Sarah. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Yeah.